0: Hello, Father Kelly here, trying out two different forms of media at the same time. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, I also have the camera going for a YouTube video to post. If you're watching on YouTube right now, the reason I have headphones on and a microphone in front of me is it's going on the computer to go to SoundCloud. So hopefully this works out well for both formats of audio. I've never had two microphones going at once, but it should be Okay. What I want to present today is my homily for the third Sunday of Ordinary Time. Uh, I did embellish it a little bit after I preached it today, so if you're listening to this uh, after having heard me at Mass, it is going to be a little bit different, but it's effectively the same thing. Um, but it's honestly quite a long homily compared to a normal homily, so really it's more or less just, it's a standalone thing. It just happens that I wrote it for the sake of a homily. As humans, we are natural observers. We are the only creatures that see things and do something new with what we see and observe. An animal may notice that there are you know, sticks and logs laying around, and a beaver may build a, a den or a bird build a nest out of those, but only human beings see only our human mind sees the same sticks and logs and responds by inventing saws and hammers and nails to build a proper freestanding structure out of it. We love to make connections to see what is possible and to come to new understanding of ideas. Sometimes we're very clever, but sometimes we're just plain wrong. Just how far wrong we are, we were at times, may seem silly today. Ancient philosophers noticed that there always seemed to be frogs on the banks of rivers and streams, and that a rotting animal will soon have flies all around it and in it. Doing a bit of thinking, which we like so much to do, it was soon obvious that, of course, the mud of a riverbank spontaneously produces frogs. You've got some mud, you're going to get some frogs. It was called spontaneous generation. Likewise, if a cow dies, you better believe that in a few weeks, there's going to be flies all around that cow. Obviously, the flies were inside the whole time, just waiting for the chance to come out. No. We know, of course, that that is not true. Frogs come from frog eggs laid already by already existing frogs, and flies come from other flies. We We know that things do not simply materialize out of nowhere or do we know that in the first reading the prophet jonah has been sent to the ninevites to proclaim to them the time of repentance and returning to the lord from the ninevites perspective he just appeared out of nowhere he just shows up at the edge of town even if someone saw him coming from before that all they would have seen of jonah is him coming out of the mouth of the whale onto the beach that's about as close to spontaneous generation as you can get for a human being. But the Nidavites, while they do convert from their sinful ways, and of course, good for them, they don't seem at all interested in where Jonah has come from, or who he really is, or why he is walking through their town calling for repentance. No one asks him to ask the Lord to send more prophets to keep them on the right track. They don't look to the future of maintaining their conversion. Now, Nineveh is a real place. On a map, you'd find it called Mosul today. But what you won't find is a history of faithfulness to God in the way that we see in the book of Jonah. Jesus never commends the Ninevites for their faith. They had a good run, but it didn't last. They were content to listen to Jonah, but didn't think beyond him. And I think we do that sometimes, actually often, in the church. Do what? We receive good people from God, and we're glad they came, but we leave it at that. Maybe it is some awesome nuns that we have met or remember from our childhood. Maybe a great priest or a holy married couple that inspired us to be better in our own relationships. We're grateful for them, but then we treat them as something that just materializes out of nowhere. It's good for a while and then is gone, and we just sort of shrug and go, well, that was nice. Hope it happens again someday. This is my observation that without realizing it, we think of priests and religious especially as just you know, materializing out of the ether of the church. We think the way people used to think about fries, frogs, and flies, that they just sort of show up. You know, if you have a parish, the church will just spontaneously provide a priest. If we have a hospital or an orphanage to run... Nuns will just descend from a cloud and teach the children how to pray. All the time I hear people talk about how, how the great priests they used to know or how awesome it was to have nuns or sisters around the parish in school. But what never gets said after that is, so let's become the place that where those awesome priests and nuns come from. No one ever seems to ask, what can I do to help foster vocations for the good of the church how can i foster vocations we just don't think of it we take for granted what we receive but don't think of how to turn that gift to others now please don't hear me as condemning from the perspective of an average parishioner a new pastor or priest does just sort of show up one day for the people of weatherford you know maybe i did just materialize out by x82 and just come into town like mary poppins on her umbrella when I first arrived in Weatherford, or er, in my mission parishes in Hinton, there was a nun who was there, and she came led the RE program every week. From my perspective, she was just there. I, I mean, I knew where she was from, kind of, but I only ever saw her just at the parish before I even got there. You know. Or for another example, when Archbishop Coakley came to Oklahoma City, we knew he'd been Bishop of Salina before, but from a practical perspective, he just arrived so the reality of it is that if we don't think though if we don't think about where vocations come from if we don't think about what it takes for a community to be the kind of place that inspires young people to answer god's call there won't be any more priests or religious or holy married people to look up to at all if we just treat it as automatic and we forget that we have to foster that it won't happen They all have to come from somewhere, and we are as much, wherever we are, we are as much a somewhere as anywhere else. Even before Plato formally described it, spontaneous generation was what everyone believed, but in the last three to four hundred years, we have experienced intellectual and scientific revolution. I think that it would have been fun to have lived back then. It was a period of great intellectual activity. New things were being invented at an incredible rate. Even an average type person with a good idea could change the world. For example, in 1712, Thomas Newcomen, a blacksmith and Baptist preacher from Devon, England, invented the first modern steam engine, a machine that was to entirely revolutionize the world. Newcomen's steam engine gave us mechanical production on a massive scale. And people like Francisco Redi, Pierre Michele, and Luis Pasteur performed experiments that established the basics of modern biology. We experienced a revolution in understanding of the natural world and what we could do with it. We could put the natural process of water's conversion to steam to work. We knew now that frogs aren't not just spontaneously generated, generated, but come from reproduction. I propose then an industrial and scientific revolution of thinking about vocations. I propose that we transform our understanding that we pr- transform our understanding of what we need for the church to be flourishing and successful. I propose that we revolutionize the way we think about how the church gets the laborers that she needs. Regrettably in this endeavor though, I think it necessary to use the words of St Paul I tell you, brothers and sisters, the time is running out. We are already stretched incredibly thin when it comes to vocations. We cannot afford the status quo any longer. The religious sisters who used to be, like, literally everywhere, are nearly all dead and gone. God rest them, but there are almost none to replace them. The priests we have, which are very few compared to the past, are overworked and stretched very thin across the state. For example... The very beloved and capable Father Philip Lewis, pastor in Elk City, died suddenly last week, and I have no idea how we're going to cover his parish and its missions. That one sister I knew of in Hinton, who was already very old, honestly, God bless her, this summer she retired and went back with her community to Mexico. Even marriages are in decline. Many, if not most young people, just live together on and off with little thought of getting married let alone pursuing the holy vocation of matrimony time is running out 40 days more and none will be destroyed but it is not too late to repent of the preaching of Jonah it is not too late to act as one's weeping as not, one's not weeping as not rejoicing as not owning that is it is not too late to turn from being worldly to being spiritual because it is from a spiritual mindset that vocations come. It is from a spiritual mindset that the church flourishes. At the preaching of Jonah, the people of Nineveh were saved from destruction. So also can we be if we will turn to the Lord. It is not too late to use our intellect and our observation to revolutionize our understanding of vocations and turn the tide of decline. We can initiate this revolution if we will but use our natural ability to see opportunities and to figure out a way here are the facts and the realities on which we can found this revolution three things one all people but young people especially want something meaningful to give their lives to nothing can be more meaningful than to commit your life to christ in the saving work of his gospel but too often we present this gospel as something sort of soft and fluffy good for comforting words at a funeral but of little real substance but the reality of the gospel is a rugged and powerful worldview that is worth dying for if jesus died on the cross for our sins that changes everything one present the faith as something meaningful two vocations are fostered in the home and in the community that is a particular somewhere Every priest, every religious, every holy married couple came from somewhere. Before Jonah preached to Nineveh, he came from somewhere. Before Jesus called the apostles, they were were from towns, villages, and families. Every holy person you have ever met, seen, watched on YouTube, came from a family and a community somewhere. So if we want a future for the church We need to build up our families and communities in that substantial faith. Study the faith yourself. Dive into the faith with your kids and grandkids. Make sure they know that you love them because Jesus loves both you and them. Teach them to love their neighbors because we are all members of the body of Christ. I promise, if they know that God loves them, that you love them, that they ought to love their neighbor, then it will be easy for them to consider a life of service to others in the church. Okay, one, we present the faith as something meaningful and substantial. Two, we focus on holy families and community. And three, we have the conversation and make the invitation. We all need encouragement to be holy. We all need someone to push us in the right direction. We need to be having these conversations. Literally asking and suggesting. What is God calling you to? Can you try priesthood? what kind of religious life are you interested in how can you be a holy spouse we encourage our kids to try out soccer and basketball and debate team we should be all the more encouraging them to try out their vocations soccer might last a few years but a vocation is for life now i know this seems daunting but we can do it to go from horse-drawn carts to steam locomotives was a big change but it's the change that we need. But Jesus also makes this easy. Remember when he asked the apostles to come from their fishing and follow him, it actually wasn't a big ordeal. It actually wasn't that hard. He is the one who made it easy. Our parish and every parish is a veritable sea of Galilee lined with people of all ages just waiting to find out what God needs of them. I will do my best to do my part but it needs the buy-in of the whole community. We should all be asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I follow you? We, and everyone, have an opportunity to radically transform the church for the better. Like the Industrial Revolution transformed commerce, or the Scientific Revolution transformed our understanding of the natural world. We already have the keys. The desire to be part of something important? longing for holy families and community and the invitation and support that are so necessary we need to only apply the knowledge and put it into practice note what jesus says right before he calls peter and andrew james and john he says this is the time of fulfillment the kingdom of god is at hand we are poised now to start a new direction in the future of the church where we are the place that vocations come from. Our own families, our own homes, our own parishes are where vocations come from. It is time to turn to a spiritual mindset that inspires the next generation. Let us not regress or forget like Nineveh, but live as not weeping, as not owning, as not using the world. Not taking vocations for granted as if they appear out of nowhere, but pursuing and asking what God wants us to do. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand.